0: Welcome back to the Paddock Picks uh, podcast, episode eight, I believe, Charlie, uh, and you're currently on your way to Newmarket.
1: Yeah, I'm going down to Newmarket to the racing school there today. Dom to do a schooling session with some guys and girls on a, I think it's a conditional jockey's course this afternoon with Yogi Breisner, who's the sort of doyen of of all things jumping-wise jumping, jumping wise in racing, well, and, and eventing, obviously, he was a I think Chef de Key for the were the international team for a long time, so he yeah, he's the guy that people often turn to when they also have jumping problems. So it's going to be an interesting afternoon.
0: Fantastic. Well, obviously we uh, wish you the best of luck. Uh, myself and Charlie are both delighted to be joined by uh, former jockey turn agent Ian Popham. Uh, Ian, thank you for joining us.
2: No worries at all. How are we doing? All okay.
0: Keep it very well here, thank you. Yeah, um, Ian, we, we kind of opened the the show with uh, a few quick-fire uh, Q&As uh, just to kind of set the tone a bit and obviously get to know yourself a little bit better. I, I edit them up uh, every single week, obviously, so that we can get Charlie involved and see if we can get some early banter on the go. Um, so I'll, I'll start with yourself. Uh, first one yeah. is most used emoji in your phone.
2: Uh, probably the uh, the monkey monkey face hiding under his uh, under his eyes.
0: Charlie, <laughs> how about yourself?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably not a bad
1: one, really. As in, uh, Pops and I are on some mutual groups, and it often seems to be a one with some of the stuff that gets banded around on on those sort of groups that we that we all know what goes on. And <laughs> I think I've got another one with a, with a cat with a horrified look on its face as well. So. Yeah, I think it's either the monkey with the uh, the hands covering his eyes or the, the horrified cat that looks in a state of shock. <laughs> uh, yeah, that probably says more about some of the stuff that goes on these groups than anything else, Dom.
0: I was, I was going to say, yeah, we're, we're all part of one of those kind of groups, aren't we? One or two at least. Um, Charlie, we'll come back to you for this one. Uh, fast or slow?
1: Is it what? Fast or slow?
0: Yeah, just in general life. I mean, you can kind of determine that whichever way you please.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to go for fast, as in, yeah, life's pretty busy. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever had a yard of pace, but I don't think I was ever that slow either. So, yeah, I'm going to go marginally on the fast side of it, yeah.
0: Okay. And, uh, Ian? Yeah,
2: I'd be the same. I'd be a pretty, uh, I'd, I'd be on the go. I wouldn't be a very relaxed character, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, definitely fast for me.
0: Fast for you. Yeah, nothing nothing worse than people who, who take all day, is there? Uh, Ian, oh, no. Sorry, <laughs> um, Ian, your favourite subject in school?
2: Uh, definitely PE. Yeah,
0: Um I think God after. Although I did
2: me. have a, I did have a really nice looking English teacher, so I seem to uh, <laughs> seem to definitely pay more attention in, in English more than anything
0: else. I think as well. Um, well, th- no, I think that's that's probably a good way. I, I think we've all we we all kind of. It tended to be the, the foreign languages uh, teachers in my school that um I was never I was never normally good at them, but I always used to look forward to those lessons. But um I'd be yeah. uh, I'd be an English fan and, and a a P fan, I think as well. Um, Charlie yourself?
1: Yeah, sport was a big part of growing up, so definitely sport. And then when it came to exams, I did I did well in in both languages in uh, GCSEs, French and German. I think it was because you either kind of had a, an understanding of them or not. They didn't involve too much revision. Revision became a bigger issue for me the longer I was there, as in a. So yeah, I, I kind of did well in exams with the uh, the subjects that you you didn't didn't take a lot of prep having to do for.
0: Yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to say I was always more personally an exam fan than a coursework fan. Would that be Would that be sort of something that you two would uh, would agree with?
1: Yeah, I think I can go along with that. As in, um, you know, as in, I sh- I sh- like all these things, you kind of wish you'd, you'd, you'd applied yourself a bit more when you were there. As in, but yeah, I kind of already had my eyes on a, a career in racing, and and yeah, the, the, the closer that got to being up to being able to something I could go ahead with. I think that the more my enthusiasm for schoolwork wanes. So yeah, I probably preferred exams to having to do coursework and homework for sure.
0: Yeah. It clearly didn't work out too bad, did it? Um, Charlie, I'll come back to you for this one. Uh, Oasis or Blur?
1: Oh God. Yeah. Two big bands when I was growing up, I think. Oasis for me, uh, what story morning glory. I remember buying that album as a kid and, and, that was, yeah, sort of a real background to, to growing up. But uh, I must admit, Parklife and Blur as well but were was all it was OK. So I, I wasn't like a disciple of one over the other, but it would
2: be marginally oasis for me.
0: Yeah, but Ian, would you sway one way or the other?
2: Yeah, I'd say oasis for me. They've got some, some bangers, haven't they? You know, the end of the night when the, uh, Wonderwall and all those sort of tunes come on, everyone gets going, don't they? So that's uh, definitely oasis for me.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing Wonderwall back in the nightclubs uh, when when they reopen on June 21st. Hopefully, uh, I, thought,
2: I thought you were going to say
1: we're looking forward to hearing Pop sing Wonderwall. Kind
0: of show <laughs> a rendition. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you'd you'd do a very good rendition of it, Ian. I've got absolutely no doubt about that. I think I think particularly after a few beers, I'm sure. Yeah, I
2: think like you say, once I had a few jars, I think. At, uh, past 10 or whatever or 11 o'clock this morning I think that's not, not you're probably not going to
0: get that out of me now I'd say <laughs> <laughs> we all get a little bit more confident after a few lagers, don't we um, even yeah, myself um, Ian this can be even well this can be either horse related uh, or in your career or, or kind of outside of sport but just the best piece of advice you've been given
2: um best piece of advice I've ever been given is probably a closed mouth catches no flies so sometimes the less you say the better Good okay. situation. yeah yeah
0: okay very good uh, Charlie a piece of advice that you've been given that, that, that kind of sticks with you to this very day
1: it's a bit strong but keep your friends close and your enemies even closer is uh, something that I think is, uh, is uh, there's a lot to be said for that as in um, and and the other one I I've, I've heard sort of been within racing is quite a lot and maybe this this is references some of the people that are in it, but I've heard people being told keep your mouth shut and then no one will know you're stupid <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think I might even have to adapt that approach as well. Um, that's uh, a that's, that's a good piece of advice to uh, to take into work for sure. James, um, obviously, yeah, great way to uh, to open the the show uh, as ever. Um, Ian, well, I'll just come come on to you. Uh, I believe you were 28 when you retired from from the saddle. Is that correct? Yes, that was right. Yeah, 28. And, 28. and was that mainly just to injury?
2: Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, in the end, you know, I probably wasn't the. Uh, the luckiest in the world regarding injuries, um, and then I kind of came to a point where I thought, you know, I'm either going to come back from this injury and and have a go again, and, and maybe being realistic, the last couple of seasons I wasn't achieving quite as much as I wanted to. Um, I was, I think, I had like 15 winners my last season, but um, and look, don't get me wrong, it was okay, but I suppose I kind of knew that I wanted to to do better than that, but. Um, yeah, so injuries was a bit of a part of it, and maybe just um, you know because of that, I wasn't probably quite um, enjoying it as much as I was because I probably wasn't um, you know quite quite uh, at, at, my, at the point in my career where I was before, if you know what I
0: mean. No, of course, um, and, and why I suppose uh, again, okay, obviously like you say, it was down to injury the, the the reason for the retirement. But what made you decide to become an agent? Would you say?
2: Um, I think just when I was riding that, um, it was something that I've, the last few years, I just kind of thought about a bit more. Um, I just thought that there was possibly, um, basically there's only really like three, um, three, maybe four jockeys agents that, that look after the jump jockeys. And I kind of thought that, um, maybe there was maybe a bit of a gap in the market for, 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 you know, another, another one maybe. And, uh, just having the experience of, of riding before um, I thought it might stand me in, in good stead. Um, so it was something that I thought about doing, um, and yeah. Uh, and I, uh, when when I was off with, with, with a couple of injuries, I went and spent a bit of time with, um, Niall Hannity, um, who is a jockey's agent. He's a flat agent, but he, um, I went and spent like a week with him and, uh, he, he was really, really good and helped me out a lot. And, um, also, Chris Broad, who I was also with uh, at one point when I was um, when I was race riding, he I went in and had a few few days with him and, and you know had a bit of a taste to see if I'd um if I'd enjoy it and it was something that I think I could kind of turn my hand to and then uh, once I did that, it, it yeah made my mind up really.
0: And with the the 2020 sort of 21 campaign uh, coming to a close, obviously in the the last um, Saturday at, at Sandown, is, is it fair to say that with the summer kind of approaching, it, it begins to just quieten down and, and, and wind down a little bit, or you, have you found yourself that you've been sort of busy um, in you know as recently uh, as you were the the, the, tea, the you know the, the kind of the weeks before leading up to, to, to the jumps finale
2: uh maybe not quite as frantic as the last few weeks um of the of the season because obviously with uh with Harry in in the title charge it was quite uh it was quite full on um but definitely still busy um may is actually quite a busy month for the jump in. um you know we've got we had three me I was doing three meetings this morning for for, for Saturday and uh, we got a couple of meetings on Sunday as well um so may is actually quite busy i think I, I usually find that um quite a lot of Quite a lot of trainers keep their horses going, um, you know, with, with the hope there might be a bit of rain. And, you know, I, I think once May finishes, then definitely June, July, August is, 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 is a bit steadier for sure.
1: I think what you have to realise, Dom, as well, is, is with jump racing being a year-round sport, like when Tony McCoy was sort of changed everything, going everywhere, hunting rides, as in he, his agent Dave Roberts, I think Pop's will agree, was every bit as obsessed by winners as Tony McCoy was, and mm. and so like that sort of filtered on now to the riders, and and so Ian being an agent to quite a few lads, you know, they they're all trying to be year round and earn a living. So mm. for Ian, it, there's never really. Yes, there's a lull in so much as there's just not as much racing in the summer, but he can never switch off completely because there is continuous racing. I mean, bar maybe, I think, what is there, some ridiculous seven-day period in August pops where where the lads and girls actually get a a proper break. And to me, it's madness. I I don't know why there isn't a a proper summer break. I mean, Ireland has shown the way again, I think, with bringing in... A, a four-week period of no racing, and I don't know what Ian's thoughts are. To to me, I think it would be a great thing for British racing to have.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Um I just think, like I say, just give give everyone a bit of a chance to, to, to actually wind down, because you know, for myself and and definitely for the for the jockeys, like you're always you're always looking for you know you're always looking for that next ride, and even through the summer, you know, for the for some of the lads, it's, a, it's you know. They're not riding as much, so their weight's a bit up and down. And then, you know, you, they, you do manage to get them a ride and it catches them on the, on, on the back foot a little bit. And, you know, I think you, you they, like you say, you can never really switch off. You're always looking for that, for that next ride and, you know, potentially that next winner. So, um, I definitely think it'd be a good thing going forward that if we could all have a little bit of, bit of a break and just, just chill out and wind down just for, for a few weeks and, you know, start fresh and go again.
0: Yeah, Charlie. Obviously, yeah, you make a great point with the HRI, uh, the, the the extended, I think, six week uh, break. I think is you know, over over the summer around around June time. Uh, another sort of question I had for you, Ian, was the forty eight hour declarations as opposed to, to, to the, the twenty four. How much has that changed? Kind of your schedule? Uh, has it made life easier or harder? Would you say?
2: Um, bits and um, I'd say there's pluses and and negatives to it, really. Um obviously it kind of I suppose we it spreads your workload um, so instead whereas when, when we're doing 24-hour declarations we used to do on the Friday we used to do Saturday and Sunday so then in theory we'd have Saturday morning off we wouldn't have any declarations to do on Saturday morning um, and from a kind of selfish point of view i actually quite used to quite enjoy that because it was one morning of the week where you actually you weren't doing decorations so i actually used to go and just do one lot ride out for maybe Dan Skelton or ollie murphy just just to, it was just a nice thing just to be able to get out of the office for a couple of hours and then get back in but um yes yeah, so and but with 48 hour decorations now we, we're literally doing decorations every day um but like i said i suppose it does like kind of lighten your workload and you're just spreading it out over the week um so you're doing probably you know not quite as much but but every day um so yeah that's that's one one way and then i I found it a little bit harder in in the winter obviously with ground etc because you were declaring two days before um and obviously you know in the winter with the with the going changes and variables i definitely found there was Probably more non-runners, um, but I can see obviously it's good for the punters to have to you know have to have the cards you know two days ahead of them. Um, so yeah, look, it's um, I think I'm not sure. I, I would say it will probably stay in. Now I don't I don't know. I haven't heard that that it won't. Um, I, I I can imagine it will probably stay. Um, like I say, it was it was um, it was a bit of bit of a you know challenge at times it was a bit different, but we're you know, I'm used to it now, so um, it wouldn't really make any difference either way. Now, really,
0: no, because it, it was always it's, that's always been the case on on the flat, Charlie. Is that correct? It's always it was always kind of two days, and and obviously national hunts kind of kind of turned turned course and and gone to 48 hours as well.
1: I mean, it hasn't always been that way on the flat, but I mean, it, it's been in for significantly longer on the flat, and, it, and like like Pop said, I think there's pros and cons to it all um, from a. Bookmakers and people trying to market the sport point of view, they're massively for it because it just gets more chance to drum up interest and knowing what fields are going to be. I think from a trainers and riders and agents point of view, it can be more tricky because it just allows more time for things to change, going and 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 whatever else, and, and horses to get injured so or, or have a setback. So like most things in life, there's pros and cons to it. I, as pop says
0: i think it's here to stay now so it's something everyone's going to have to get used to yeah yeah um just just on a side note charlie I, I was actually um i actually watched the ap McCoy uh documentary for the first time last week i think it was on bbc4 bbc3 bbc4 um you actually make a little guest appearance on there oh do i yeah i think i think you're in the weighing room somewhere in the background um it's probably in yeah. the sauna <laughs> but it just—it it, it just goes to show, doesn't it? I mean, and like you say, that for any kind of racing fan or even a non-racing fan, the the levels of dedication, as you kind of allude to, um, you know, earlier on, Charlie, just in terms of you Know that real dedication to get as many winners as possible, and I think I think AP has something like 100 winners, and, and he wasn't even out of July or August or something. And, and like you say, that a lot of that is down to kind of the, the fixture congestion that still exists in, in National Hunt over the summer. I mean, absolutely remarkable. Um, I, I guess Ian, we, we we almost couldn't really have you on without talking about Harry Skelton. I mean, what an achievement, um, to, to win the jump, Jockey's Crown for the first time!
2: Yeah, incredible. Um to be honest, at the start of the season, it probably wasn't something that we, we, we thought was really possible. Um, I know Dan kind of, you know, he had a good a good team, but he, he, he didn't have maybe the numbers that he, he'd sent out previously. I think the year that Dan had um, the 200 winners, I think Harry rode 178 winners. Um, and obviously, we missed, obviously, three months of the year at the start with, with through COVID. Um, so we kind of were just, you know obviously just head down and, and driving on as usual and then it kind of occurred to us that um we weren't all, all that far away um in in sort of february time we weren't all that far away we were i think we we're only sort of 15 or 16 behind ryan Hughes at that point and uh we kind of made a you know we, we had a good chat about it then and you know so we'll kind of get Get Cheltenham, you know, over the over the way, and then we'll give it a real good push and see what we could do. And um, yeah, it was it was inc- an incredible achievement from from uh, from Harry, and I know something that is always, um, you know, something is always set out to to do one day. And yeah, that play, it was um, great to be to be part of it. Yeah, brilliant. He, he also- I think as well, Dom,
1: you, you have to like give Popsie real credit. I mean, mm. because like through, you know, for, for logistically to to organize it all, and certainly. Over the last few weeks, he moved heaven and earth to get Harry spares for other people to try and help boost his tally. And, and you know, when you look back through history, uh, I think in the last, I don't know how many, 20-odd years, or no, more than that, 25 years, there's only actually been three agents that have booked for the champion jockey, Dave Roberts, Richard Hale last year, and, and now Ian Popham. So, yeah. for someone that's so new to this job, he, he's made an outstanding start, and so, Yes, it was phenomenal for Harry and Dan, but Pops deserves plenty of credit too,
0: you know. Yeah, absolutely right. Cheers, um,
2: cheers Pasty. I'll, I'll buy you that beer. later. <laughs> <lad>. <laughs> You'll have to buy me more than one. I'm
0: sure <laughs> well, I was just I, I was I was flicking through ha- Harry's um, kind of form near the near the end of the season, and of course you see him lo- lo- like you say, Charlie picking up spares for you know the likes of Paul Nicholls, Ollie Murphy, Milton Harris. Uh, Bob Buckler and, and Ian I was, I was reading through I think one of your interviews um, last year and, and of course you allude to the fact that Harry being a stable jockey for his brother Dan uh, it, it kind of it almost did it, did it take the, the pressure off kind of when you were really kick-started if that makes sense and, and how different is it sort of um, having, having a client say who's you know a retained rider for a particular yard or owner com- compared to someone who might be slightly more detached?
2: Yeah, I suppose with Harry it's quite, in a way it's quite easy because obviously um, he rides, he's at Dan's seven days a week. He doesn't go and ride out for anyone else. You know, Harry is 110% committed to Dan uh, and the horse is there and, and obviously the owner's in that yard. Um, and that's where he puts, you know, he puts all his time. So I always know where Harry's going to go. Um, and I suppose a, a lot of the time, you know, if you look at a meeting, in the winter, they'll if Dan goes to you know, for instance, the topster on a on on a you know a Thursday or whatever he he'll quite often have five six runners there and Harry be riding them all. also. Um, in a way, there's not um, yeah that obviously takes the pressure off because it's not like I'm looking after a freelance jockey who's depending on um, you know where their next ride is going to come from because I, I know where they're going to come from with Harry. But at the same time, I suppose it doesn't, it, I can't take any unnecessary risks. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the thing, you know, you might have five rides that you topster, to, but if they're on the, say the six races and not to hundred handicap chase, and there's no, and Harry hasn't arrived in it, then, you know, I don't need to be doing anything unnecessary to be, you know, uh, Putting him in a position where he could potentially, you know, if he was riding a fifty-to-one shot and I and I got him, you know, uh, got him a fall and he broke his collarbone and he misses three weeks of the year, then that's, you know, that, that's not good on my part. So I suppose we obviously we want spares and we, you know, we want to try and ride in in most of the races that we can and we can, you know, try and pick up as many winners as we can outside. But at the same time, we can't be, um, you know, jeopardizing what he's got with with Dan at the same time. If you get me.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I think I think as Charlie say, it's a very, very you know remarkable effort um, for, for for Harry to, to have won the Jump Jockeys Crown, and like you say, you were uh, certainly be giving yourself a pat on the back, no doubt, Ian. Uh, Charlie, uh, we obviously have to talk about the the Punches Town uh, Festival uh, Ergamine, uh, You know, he, he obviously. Missed the Cheltenham Festival. We were denied that that race with Shishkin, um, but he looks obviously like a, a serious, you know, prospect in, in open company next year, and and hopefully we will see that clash in the in the Champion shakes next season.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, he looks an outstanding talent, doesn't he? And it's, it's such a shame that he had to miss Cheltenham. Shows how you know how, how fragile the the health of these animals are when they're at their peak. Um, it's going to be very exciting, isn't it, with Shak and Poussoir? bouncing right back to his best at Punchestown as well. Now, moving into next year with a division that, you know, contains Chacon Forsoir, Shishkin, Anergamine, Nubi Negra, Pilitolog, if he's still about. Put the kettle on, who we always underestimate, but is outstanding around Cheltenham. If they they all got there, Dom, I mean, what a race it'd be to to savor. And and it's going to be hugely exciting. And, and, And also because of... I mean, Barschak and Pusswein and Ergamine, where they're trained, you could probably see plenty of them avoiding each other on the road up to Cheltenham and having different sort Mm -hmm. of preps. So it could make the champion chase a a race for the ages if they all got there with their their reputations and form intact.
0: Yeah, uh, Ian, Ergamine and and Shishkin, it's obviously, if that head-to-head takes place and and all those other names that that Charlie throws in there, it's it's obviously a, a hot pot. Uh, kind of division, you know, plenty of uh, of, of top class horses o- over two miles uh, o- over fences next season. Uh, if it was Shishkin or an ergami that you had the the chance to ride in the Champion Chase, would you side one way or the other at this point in time?
2: Oh, it's tight, isn't it? Um, like you say, it's, a, it's very exciting to you know something to, to already be looking forward to, to for next season. Um, I was probably I, I thought Shishkin's been great, and he, he's one of them that he's. I don't think he's overly flashy, but he just mm. does what he has to do. And I, and I like that about him. Um, so, yeah, probably if, if you had to sway me one way or the other right now, I'd probably go that way. But um, yeah, like you like to say, something to, to look forward to,
0: for sure. Quite right. Um, it was obviously a slightly underwhelming uh, Punchestown Festival for, for Henry de Bromhead, Charlie. Um, but you could just tell that if he was going to get one winner, uh, it was going to be Honeysuckle, and, and that was very much the case. How close do you think we can be from legendary status for, for Honeysuckle?
1: Well, I mean, it's. I mean, certainly I think if, if she comes back and, and defends a champion hurdle crown, then, I mean, legend is something that's banded around in sport too easy. But mm. at the same time, this is now a mare that's unbeaten in her 12 rule starts. You know, it, it sounds ridiculous that before Leopardstown and the Irish champion hurdle people were questioning whether she had the hurdling speed to be a champion hurdler and and, you know she went and bolted up in the Irish champion hurdle followed it up at Cheltenham and she's rounded off another unbeaten season by winning the punches champion hurdle I mean granted looking maybe like she was coming to the end of her tether after after a long season she's got to be up there hasn't she I mean like I say I think if you're going to start comparing her to legendary hurdlers of the past she has to probably come back and and defend her crown and and become a multiple champion hurdle winner to do that. But she's developing the right sort of profile, isn't she? And she's only seven. So there is the possibility that she could be around for two or three years to come, depending on what Kenneth Alexander decides to do with her. Because she's going to be a very valuable broodmare at the end of it all as well. Yep. But I think mean, right now we should just enjoy her for what she is. And that is a, is a very, very good hurdler. The best of her generation. And and again, I was talking about it through with someone else. It, you know, it looks likely that if you're looking at the young contenders coming through, there's every chance appreciated. And Bob Ollinger, Gailard de Mencil could all be going chasing. And so of the ones that are around right now, it'd be interesting to know Pops is for it's difficult to think of one of them that really can lay a glove on her because the likes of the Chargers and Epitons, she's beaten them all comprehensively before. And unless she regresses markedly in the summer, it's hard for me to find a reason why that they should be able to overturn the form next season.
0: Yeah, would you agree with that, Ian? Yeah, I would completely, yeah. Um, like
2: like Charlie said, I think she's just, she's just so likeable, isn't she? She's so tough. Um, at the minute, I can't see anything that's gonna, you know, unless we, there's some monster lurking somewhere that we don't know about, but, um, I can't see anything getting, getting there to, you know, gonna bother her too much next year anyway.
0: No, I think because um, th- th- there has been, uh, it's obviously all just kind of rumours and, uh, and talk at the moment, but of course, Charlie, she does have form, uh, uh, you know, between the flags, doesn't she? And, and obviously won a, won a chase over three miles um, uh, uh, as a point to point. So she has kind of history and, uh, and obviously an ability over a fence, but you'd be very much in the camp that, you know, she's a, a, a champion hurdler. There's no reason why she, she needs to go chasing next season.
1: I don't see it, as in not in this day and age. I mean, look, it would be it would be incredibly sporting by the owner if, say, she was going to try and emulate a dawn run or mm. something like that and become a champion hurdle that goes on to try and win a gold cup or, you know, a two-mile champion chase. But I'd, I'd be very surprised. She looks to have all the ability in the world to dominate this division, and I don't see any reason to change that. And like I say, when when it's all over, she's going to have a, a huge amount of value as a brood mare, so for for me, I would think she'd stay herding.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, uh, a, a fantastic mare, and another mare that we saw uh, land grey one honors uh, Ian at the Punchestown Festival was Stormy Island, who. Obviously was, was with Paul Nichols for kind of a small tenor, but I think this just goes to show how good Willie Mullins is, that she's, she's come back and, and won two starts uh, and almost looked as, as good as ever and even, even as good as Paul Nichols, is a handler. I mean, Willie Mullins, you know, 19 winners from the, from the 40 contests. I mean, just a, a fantastic achievement for close us and over in County Kildare last week.
2: Yeah, it was literally the, uh, the William Mullins show, wasn't it? Um, you know, every, every single race that he, um, yeah, was basically cleared up and, uh, yeah, like unbelievable, frightening the amount of, um, of ammunition he's got. And yeah, like I suppose, like he touched on, yeah, Stormy Island, that was, that was incredible. Like you said, I think you could probably argue that was her, her best performance yet. Yeah, you know, when from turning in when she picked up and went away like she did, um, yeah, it was a, a remarkable performance, like say, uh, fantastic um bit of bit of training but um yeah, maybe stormy island just uh, prefers the the Irish air. <laughs>
0: I think even Willie Mullins saying, Charlie, that in the kind of the aftermath of of Cheltenham, it was incredible. Obviously, he was still the leading trainer um, with with six winners. But I I suppose all the talk was about Henry de Bromhead because the the, kind of the bigger contest went his way. But he was obviously admitting that he he changes things up. And and even someone as experienced as as Willie Mullins and and, and as fantastic a a handler as he is, is, he, you know, even all these years later he still changed things up. It just goes to show there's there's no real science to to horse racing and, and there's kind of always that, that room for improvement.
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think that like all sports, that there's more and more science coming into it, but you're still not going to get away from the sort of natural feel and empathy that that a man like Willie Mullins seems to have. I mean Stormy Island is fascinating, like Pop says, and maybe she does just enjoy the Irish air. I'd, I'd have thought, knowing the way Paul Nichols is, it's a major irritation to him that, that it hasn't worked out over when, when she's come over to him and now she's gone back to Ireland and, and sort of looked better than ever. And sometimes you'd love to know, you'd love it if they could talk because I'd, I'd be fascinated to know the reason why she, she's been good in Ireland, come over to Britain, hasn't worked out at all, and then gone straight back to Ireland all of a sudden it's like she's, she's never been away. It, it really is an, an, an interesting one, and I will never know the answer, but it, I, I'd love to know the reason, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I think it will. It might remain a mystery. Um, from the uh, the jumps to the flat, Charlie, a Poetic Flair won the 2000 Guineas. Um, Aidan O'Brien had three runners, but not one featured in the first seven. I mean, that's almost uh, unheard of, isn't it? And a horse that obviously we were very much looking forward to um, this campaign was Battleground and he just didn't really seem to fire, did he?
1: No, he didn't. I mean, it's funny, like, you know, he, he, he wasn't... I don't think Ryan Moore gets a pick. I think mean, he gets told what to ride mm-hmm. by the sounds of it. But Frankie's on him and all of a sudden he, he goes into favour after being pretty weak in the market all, all week. Yeah. And look, he, he it was a sort of a relatively mundane first start of the season, wasn't it? You, you look, you're not going to back against him turning it round. But yeah, he didn't start his season off with a bang. And, and or, or the whole the race, just, again, it, it just... I mean, he's eighty years old, Jim Bolger, but what a, what an absolute master! <laughs> yeah. I mean, out of a stallion that he raced himself, Dawn Approach, and then sold a, a massive stake into Godolphin for however much money. Yeah. And you know, out of a out of a mare again that is one of his brood mares, and he bred her himself, raced in his wife's colours, poetic flair, and is now a two thousand guineas winner like his sire. And it wouldn't surprise you to see the boys in blue buy a leg in this or something <laughs> for a, an inordinate sum, sum of money and go on with Jim Bolger as they have done in the past and and yeah Jim Bolger is an absolute master i mean to to be able to breed them train them the pedigrees and all that that he's created just take it just take my hat off to him i really do i can't i can't i can't say any more about it than that
2: yeah no fantastic I think you can safely say that that was a good afternoon's work for jim bolger there <laughs> wasn't yeah. it
1: yeah. Yeah. As in he would probably earned more in an afternoon than the three of us put together or earned our <laughs> lifetime So yeah, I give him I give him huge credit because um yeah it 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 it's, it's outstanding and, and like I say the, the fact that this isn't the first time yeah. just tells you all you need to know about it that he's a very very clever
2: man. Mm.
0: Ian do you, do you take a, an invested interest in, in in the flat racing?
2: Not really, if I'm honest. No. I was um on Sunday I was um yeah Watching the watching the there actually wasn't any jumping last Sunday, but no, I was I was I I watched I've watched the big races and mm. a few people have said to me, "Are oh, there any? You know, have you have you you know, would you have any flat jockeys and stuff?" But um, I think it you know, it's quite nice to be able to just to go a, a little bit a little bit easier and just concentrate on the on the jumping. That's my love. I've always loved the jump racing. Um, like I say, I'd watch a bit of the flat racing, the you know some of the big races, but um. No, I wouldn't be wouldn't be um, watching Wolverhampton on a on a Monday evening very often, <laughs> if, I'm,
0: if I tell you the truth. No, but I suppose um, well, someone who we we probably wouldn't see make too many appearances at, at Wolverhampton Charlie would be Frankie the Tory. and uh, again, you know, he's, he's like a fine wine, isn't he? Just every single year comes back and wins these big races, and it was it was normal service resumed for him and Bally Doyle uh, aboard Mother Earth in in the one thousand guineas a day later.
1: Yeah, and, and you got to admire... I mean, Kevin Manning himself is 54. I think Frankie's 50. Yeah. And, like, and they're both phenomenal athletes. And I mean, Frankie looks better than ever. I mean, I think he said that he wants to carry on riding for a good few years yet. And John Gosden is managing him and making sure that he, he's looking after his body. And, and yeah, and with, with the no longer being retained by Godolphin, he can take these spares for Aidan O'Brien and, and it's bearing fruit, isn't it? Again, it kind of shows you... I think, you know, Ryan, you know, afterwards Ryan was on Santa Barbara, massive home reports coming out of Bally Doyle about her. And then afterwards it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, she's, no, Brian said she's still quite green and then she's one for the future. And Mother Earth was, is is, is the miler and that's where she's always going to be. And you kind of think, well, I'm surprised Ryan wasn't on Mother Earth then, because on form she had all the credentials, didn't she? You know, she would, she'd been placed in a Breeders' Cup. She'd been placed in a, in a filly's mile. And so she had the big race form coming into the race, whereas it sounds like Santa Barbara is all about the future and potential. It seems like mother earth now is going to stay over a mile and probably go to the Irish guineas and Santa Barbara. And maybe they're looking towards the Oaks. I think she certainly has a, a pedigree being related to order of Australia amongst others that, that stayed well. So yeah, it, it, it just, again, it, it fascinates me the way, the jockey bookings are made and it it also it also shows you from a punting point of view you probably shouldn't be reading into it as gospel when they have multiple entries in these races that ryan is necessarily a hundred percent on the one most fancied on the day and you know frankie gave her a good ride didn't he and she Mm. kept it simple and she was she she ran out a ready winner and it's going to be interesting to see if she can sort of back that up maybe in an irish 1000 guineas and later on into the season, um, as, as others sort of come out of the woodwork.
0: Yeah, because she was she was very um, Santa Barbara. She was very very short in the market, wasn't he? I think you talk about obviously mm, the the week the week kind of battleground, and then he was kind of back near the often. I think obviously he was alcohol free uh, in the end. That kind of went into joint favoritism, but but Mother Earth almost really kind of showed the, the fruits of, uh, of of having that experience as a, as a two year old. Uh, and obviously, plenty of uh, of, of, of racing. Uh, you know, the, the campaign before you head for these classics exactly, is obviously pivotal. Yeah.
1: Definitely, yeah, without without doubt, she was she was battle hardened, wasn't she? And and again, Aiden O'Brien has shown over the last few years that he's not afraid to run them, is he? So, mm. like again, the fact that I think she was only yeah, she'd won from I think she'd won from seven or eight as a juvenile but she'd been running in all the big races and she hadn't been spared at all. and made her debut on the 10th of June and by the 6th of November had had eight runs, you know? So Aidan O'Brien isn't afraid to run them. He's not afraid for them to get beat and he'll keep, keep chucking them in when he believes in them. And mother earth was a massive example of this. And, and, and again, just showcases what an outstanding operation
0: it is. Yeah, just great to see, obviously, in in, in the jumps and on the flat, um, Aidan O'Brien and and Willie Mullins, obviously, still all these years later, that they have their horses well and truly primed for these big events, don't they? Uh, And obviously, it was fantastic to see that last week. Uh, Guest of the show last week, uh, Charlie, Tom Marquand, uh, winning on You Spirit in the Chester Vars, laying down an early gauntlet for the derby.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tom Marquand has gone from strength to strength. I mean, um, you know, since we've had him on the show, he hasn't stopped riding winners since he came back from Australia. <laughs> Ian Popple will be hoping for the same, I'm sure, for his riders. Maybe maybe get a lucky a, omen for everyone. Can you get
2: some of my lads on, your, on, on here next week, <laughs> Yeah, yeah exactly. We'll
1: have them all on. <laughs> we'll have them all signed up. you um, Spirit, yeah, I mean, you Spirit was, was good yesterday. M- my feeling with him a little bit... Um, he, you just wonder whether soft ground is important to him you know he won in, in Newmarket last year on soft and and again it was rain soft and ground the Chester of ours yesterday tom marquand it seemed when he spoke afterwards they were slightly concerned whether he'd stay the mile and a half trip well enough but he seemed to see it out very well yesterday I and mean, the Chester of ours in recent times hasn't been a bad old trial with um wings of eagles i think was placed in it and ruler of the world before that had won it and gone on to Derby glory so it's not insurmountable that you Spirit couldn't run well you know the same connections had the second last year whose name has escaped Khalifa Stat was it yeah. so it, it, this is it's definitely a horse with, with, a, with, a, with a chance I would have thought something else will come out in the in the next couple of weeks with the Dante the Lingfield Derby trial at the weekend the, the ones that have come over in Ireland that will rank above this horse. But he, he, he's likeable, isn't he, at this
0: stage, Tom. Yeah, he certainly is. I was a little bit disappointed with Worker. I think... Um uh, the, the way he won the the, the blue ribbon at Epsom kind of left the impression that, that the step up to one and a half mile would would, would probably play to his favour, but he just again didn't seem to, to to really fire yesterday, and that was a little bit disappointing. But a return to Epsom, you know, potentially next next month if they if they kind of remain, um, you know, with with you know the, the faith in him and and if he heads for the Derby, then um, you know, he obviously he could still be potentially one to be reckoned with, and I think the the record from horses in the Chester bars, um, going on to win at the Derby, I think um. I think it's only been done like once in the last nine renewals, perhaps. So, and we've still got the Dante, and there's still kind of plenty of, um, you know, of, of stones to, you know, that, that have been left unturned at this point in time, isn't there? And still, there's still a long way to go, um, even, you know, it's incredible, credi- you know, credible to think, really, isn't it? That two classics in the flat season are kind of over with already, and the uh, the next two will be done within, you know, the next month.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it, that, that's the nature of the flat season, isn't it? And, then, you know, we get those out of the way you're hoping a, a three-year-old is really going to reveal himself as outstanding. And, and then we look forward to them taking on their elders as as we move through the season, through Royal Ascot, glorious Goodwood and, and beyond and, and St. St. Ledger and, and the arc in October. I mean, the, it sort of, uh, it, it all sort of sets itself up now. And, and, it's exciting to see. It. And, and like every year, you're hoping one of these three-year-olds is really going to stamp themselves out as, a, as an outstanding one of their generation.
0: Yeah, I think uh, obviously high definition as well, who who goes for the derby trial at Lingfield on Saturday. He's uh, been very impressed with his two wins at the Curragh. Um, at the, at the doesn't go league. for
1: the derby trial at Lingfield. Don't, oh, he, oh just, he doesn't just know? A bit of, no, not been declared. So he doesn't go there. So I, there, there must be another plan for high definition. I think they said during... The other day they, they weren't quite happy with his blood results or something like that oh, so okay. yeah high definition doesn't go
0: to Lingfield. Oh okay not to worry then obviously disappointing but uh, hopefully he's okay and we, we see him back on the track very soon. Uh, Ian uh, I suppose the big uh, jumps race this Saturday is of course the, the Swinton handicap hurdle uh, I believe Coppolis for Ollie Murphy currently heads the betting and he looked like he was going to absolutely bolt up at Aintree uh, last time. I think he fell two out, but uh, a, a kind of repeat of that performance would, would, you know, be sure to see him go close.
2: Yeah, I'm still still gutted about that, to be honest, because uh, one of my lads, uh, Lewis, who uh, Charlie also does a bit of coaching with, he's, he's a really good, good, good guy. Lewis Stones, it was kind of, he, it was his, his chance on a, on, on the big stage. And unfortunately, he, he, everything was going so smoothly. And, uh, it was it, it was looking like it was gonna be a, kind of a dream come true for him and uh, yeah unfortunately Coppolas just, just got it all wrong two out and came down. But um yeah, so that was a that was a bit of a gutter for, for for everyone involved. But um look, look obviously the horse has come out of it well. Yeah. Um, and like you say, if he if, if he's um you know, if that hasn't affected him at all, hopefully um, you know, he's got a, b- a big chance in that race. He looks like he uh, could be still quite well handicapped, I think, personally. Yeah, he's a-
1: Defining battle pops, any, any word for him from the Skelton team?
2: Yeah, same. He's been a bit, um, he, he's quite lightly raced. Um, I suppose, um, you know, the only thing with him would be kind of experiencing a bit in a big handicap like that, whether it might catch him out because he hasn't really had that yet. But um, he, he's a horse I've always thought a lot of, and I think he's only, he's got, you know, 10 2 on his back is a nice racing weight. Um, so, yeah, look, he, he'd definitely be, be going there with a the chance for sure.
0: I think it's uh, obviously another very busy. I'm just looking through the card, the cards, Ian, I think as you quite rightly say there's like three jumps, meetings on on Saturday, and then two on on Sunday. So I think obviously asking you earlier on in the show whether it was uh, beginning to slow down. I think I might have to uh, rephrase that question. Yeah. It's probably as busy yeah. as ever.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely like I said. I had a, uh, I've got um, a couple of a couple of Haydock, and uh, I've got a good few few out at uh, Warwick on Saturday. Um, and yeah, then we're on to um, Ludlow and Plumpton on Sunday. So, like I say, we keep the the uh, we keep rolling on, and yeah, uh, looking looking for those uh, next winners hopefully.
0: No, well, of course we uh, we we hope that those winners you know keep coming thick and fast for you, Ian. Um, Charlie, as always, it's obviously been uh, been a great show, Ian. We really really appreciate your time and and obviously very very informative as well. And I know I've certainly learnt plenty. So um, obviously thank you for your time and and, and Charlie. No doubt that we'll uh, we'll catch up next week.
2: Definitely, Dom. Thanks,
1: pops, and yeah, good show again. lads. cheers. No worries at all. Thanks, cheers. guys, Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you.